Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to Boy You Want to Watch the Explosion Network's premium media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content, help you answer the question. If you feel the need to hire an expensive crisis management firm, maybe you should just pay your writers. Maybe it's time. I'm your host, Ashley Obley. Join me today, Tim Blatt. Yes. Yes. So for context, the AMPTP hired the crisis management specialists, the Levinson Group, this week because they realized all their messaging against the Writers Guild uh, is not working. Uh, quote, the studio needs better coordination, better messaging to in response to the writers and the media. So, yeah, rather than spending money on that, just pay your writers. Simple. Come on, dude. Crazy notion. Um, yes, on today's episode, we'll be talking about what's in Watch History, going over a little bit of film news, giving this week's top three and giving some thumbs to trailers. Uh, kicking things off over on Holocron entries, we talked about the first two episodes of the brand new Disney Plus Star Wars series, Ahsoka, in a new seri- podcast series called Live Action Rebels. Uh, the series takes place in the timeline of the Mandalorian, I guess, uh, and follows Ahsoka, who uh, is tracking down the last Grand Admiral of the Empire, Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral. Grand Admiral Thrawn, who may or may not be alive. We don't know. We know he's Uh, alive. I've seen him in the trailer. Could be a flashback. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of the first two episodes of Ahsoka? As a massive Ahsoka fan, to be clear. Mm. In case people don't know, diehard Ahsoka fan. Mm. Uh is my favorite Star Wars character. Uh, animated Star Wars is my favorite Star Wars. Uh, really enjoyed this first two episodes. Uh, I'm really glad they did a, a double opener uh, to, to kick things off because I felt like it. It's a lot of um, a introducing these characters of people who maybe haven't met them before and then be like catching up uh people who like where are they at like in the in the time jump between the season finale of rebels and this uh maybe you didn't watch the mandalorian and book of boba fett maybe you didn't care for that shit so you haven't seen ahsoka for a while you haven't seen live action ahsoka before so i love catching up really great fights in it i'm really really enjoying uh Hera and sabine uh their first time seeing them is really really good and yeah lots of intrigue going forward into the direction really good uh new bad guys in it to uh not sith but you know two two dark side force users yeah force users so really really enjoyed this episode yeah it was a good opening to episodes um you know um, fans i'm sure will be super happy with the way they've brought a lot of the animated characters to life i think mary elizabeth winstead and lasha natasha liu bought in uh, as uh, Hera and Sabine, respectively, you know, they do a really good job and like feel like the characters, even though you know it's been several years since we last saw them in universe, I guess, for an extended period and could actually get like a proper feel for their characters. Um, you know, lot, lots of fun, practical stuff in there. Everybody's in love with the Loth Cat. Um, well, most people are, some people not fans, but you know. They're weirdos. Um, yeah, the the bad guys are very interesting and have a unique style and motives of their own. Um, 
yeah, it, it, it's just really good so far. So uh, I'm excited to be talking about it weekly over at Holocron Entries uh, and check out the next, uh, what, six episodes? Because it's going to be eight. Mm. Total. See where it leads. Does it lead to Grand Admiral Thrawn? Will we see Ezra? I don't know. Dylan's big question. Will we see Hera's baby? Here's a big question. She has a child. Where is it? Yeah. It's 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 a human Twilight hybrid, right? So Yeah. What's that gonna look like? I mean I've seen it, I've seen it in the in Rebels at the at the end in the season finale they show the child. Well they show a baby. You know, they show so. a baby. You know, I haven't seen it in live action though. What these live action yeah. babies look like? It's, it's going to be older. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, so this weekend, both Dylan and I were able to go see Past Lives, the much talked about film, uh, in America for a long time, considered one of the best films of the year, debut feature by Celine Song. Uh, following two childhood friends, uh, one named Nora, who uh, immigrates from uh, South Korea to America as a child, grows up to become a writer, and he, her friend... Haesung? Haesung, uh, who, you know, stayed in South Korea, uh, but has been trying to find her over the internet like several for several years, and they're kind of reconnections at different points during their lives. Uh, Dylan, with so much hype around the film, how do you feel about Past Lives? It's fantastic. Absolutely one of the best uh, best films of the year, easily. Um, it's sort of hard to believe it's uh, Slayer Song's first um, directorial debut. Um, maybe there's a bunch of shorts and stuff that isn't listed. I don't know. I, I have no idea. But uh, it's just such a well-put-together movie it sort of it just seems like something of more of a seasoned director i guess so um she's done a lot of theater from what i can gather okay that would be yeah, someone who's got control over um direction then yes okay that makes more sense um yeah I, I it's hard to talk about without wanting to discuss like it you know as soon as we left the theater yeah with buddy as well uh, yes. talking about the ending of course and that's all most people want to talk about like it just leaves you with such a discussion point i guess i don't i feel like the movie if you watch it like it's got it the, i i never watched the trailer really the tra- no <laughs> do we never no i don't think this? we did no i don't think so okay so i watched the trailer last night and the trailer makes it look like it's this like love triangle romance i guess that's sort of maybe it's like the how to get American bums on seats for it. Yeah. Um, and although the movie is in parts of romance, I definitely feel like the movie's more about I don't know life choices than it is like romance. You know what I mean? Like it's I don't know. Like it's hard. To, it's hard to discuss again without spoilers. But it's a fantastic yeah two fantastic performances i think greta lee especially is like really really good as nora um wonderful cinematography um yeah just it it sort of gut punches you and makes you think about things as you leave but 
good. Definitely a, a absolutely fantastic film. Yeah, I really you know thought it was fantastic as well. I don't know if I enjoyed it because it was uh, made me feel the emotions. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a really beautiful film really well, interestingly shot in like a very voyeuristic way at certain points like um definitely not like cut off like cut off camera like static you know here's a shot there's a shot done that you know lots of fluidness and movement and uh odd angles and that kind of stuff so it definitely felt very unique um and it, it, the story i don't feel like is mind-blowing in any sort of way it's just told in a very honest and um relatable way um and like you said yeah it's definitely a lot about life choices and did we make the right decision and like there's definitely the thoughts of sliding tall moments and that kind of stuff um throughout the film um yeah definitely Greta Lee's performance is anchors the movie you know she's uh you know the center of everything i guess um not to say that to you um i thought he was really good as well and the the craziest thing i think is like the movie has these like 12 year jumps it's kind of crazy that they're able to do that like early 20s look and then jump ahead to the to mid 30s it's the same about the hair and clothes Uh, it is it's it's, (laughs) that is it's actually crazy in that regard so yeah definitely a movie that uh i've enjoyed sitting on in the last few days and like wondering about certain lines and conversations and that kind of stuff um yeah so uh past lives i believe opens wide or wide-ish uh this weekend so we both would recommend you go out and watch past lives uh dylan last week you watch Vacation Friends this week. You watch Vacation Friends too. I did. Um, I don't like it as much as the first one. Anyway, I feel like they sort of jumped the shark on this one because the first, the fir- first Vacation Friends is—I don't want to say grounded because it is over the top and silly—but it's just sort of about these, these, these four people lie, these four people, these two couples' lives intermingling. Um, very different, very different couples. You know, the quiet sort of normal, you know, business dude. And then you've got John Cena's side where he's just like over the top ridiculous and whatever else. This film, the whole pitch is that Lil Ray Howery's character, Marcus, he's like, hey, he's invited John Cena and Meredith uh, Hagner's characters on this holiday, but doesn't tell them that the reason he's able to get them on this like really expensive holiday trip is because he's going to go there to close a business deal which he thinks will be a week after they get there. But then the, the people for the business still start turning up early, one of which is played by uh, our mate, Ronnie Chang. Um, now, the pr- that's all fine. And all and the movie sort of starts feeling very similar to the first one. It's like, this is fun, sort of funny scenarios and whatever else, like, you know, Lil Ray Howery, Marcus, trying to get John Cena's Ron to you know, calm down so he doesn't screw up this business relationship and, you know, like, just, like, don't, you know, like, say anything stupid and whatever else. But then Steve Buscemi's character turns up, who's playing uh, Meredith Hagner, Kyla, Kyla's dad, who's recently just got out of prison, 
And as soon as he turns up, he starts like getting him into this whole thing where he's like, he's obviously doing some dodgy stuff and ends up with the movie, like having like mass chase scenes where people trying to shoot them and like all this other sort of stuff that wasn't in the first film at all. And I, I really didn't like that stuff. I felt like it sort of, it took, it took the movie. It just made it feel more like any other just loud, silly comedy that we've sort of had over recent years with even like John Serena being in some of them. And you know, so yeah, I, I, I first one, I actually enjoyed this one. Meh. Uh, I was able to go to an advanced screening of Theatre Camp. So this is a new film uh, directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman based on a screenplay by Molly Gordon, uh, Nick Lieberman, Ben Platt, and Noah Galvin, uh, starring Molly Gordon, Ben Platt, Noah Galvin. <laughs> um, it follows a, a theatre, like a summer theatre camp in New York City where a bunch of theatre kids go and like... Uh, learn theater stuff and then at the end of the camp they like perform a musical or play um you know for the the parents approval uh the camp has been running for several years but has always been uh struggling with funds uh and the the lady in charge unfortunately the lady in charge uh she's trying to go around recruiting uh people to for the latest summer's camp uh joan played by amy sedaris uh, she has a seizure during one of the musicals, musicals, uh, and then goes into a coma. So her son, who is a social media influencer, um, has to take over the camp and kind of keep it running over the summer. So it's sold in like a mockumentary style. Um, the, the original, like, there's a lot of title cards with text and that kind of stuff. Um, that make do a bunch of punchy jokes and that kind of stuff. But uh, the the idea was the documentary crew was following Joan for the year, the summer's camp. Uh, but now they're following all the residents of the camp as they're all the teachers and that kind of stuff as they try to run do different things. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun eccentric characters. Um, ben Platt and uh, Molly Gordon play Amos and Rebecca Diane, who are like a uh, codependent couple. Uh, he's gay, but she's she's not. But they're very codependent and kind of have to do everything together. And their big thing is they write a musical every single, an original musical perform for the theatre kids every year. And it's just weird and wacky stuff. But this year they're making a musical dedicated to their the theatre camp director Joan, called Joan Still, because she's still alive, <laughs> or is she? Um, but the my favorite is Adio Ediberry, who, you know, of course she's in this as well. Um, she gets hired as a as a, camp, a teacher, but she has no work experience. She's lied about her work experience. She's just trying to bullshit her way through every single scenario. It's like, what is stage fighting? And all these kids are giving ex- poetic answers and like, but what really is stage fighting? Because <laughs> uh, she doesn't know. It's a lot of fun. Lots of really good performances by little kids. Um, lot throughout the movie, it's like, oh, I know that that kid from somewhere, from something. I can't place it. I haven't had a chance to go back and find everybody. Um, but yeah, really funny, really good time. Um, I would de- definitely recommend watching Theater Camp. Uh, Theater Camp is coming to cinemas seventh of September. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so I would recommend uh, that one. Uh, so, Dylan, we've both been watching the H. Oh, well, I guess HBO Max, but binge here in Australia. Uh, television series Telemarketers, um, which follows two former telemarketer uh, workers, uh, Pat Pespis and Sam Lipmanstone, um, who were working at a telemarketing firm. Sam enjoyed like shooting videos and that kind of stuff, so he started filming stuff that was happening inside the workplace, uh, CDG or whatever. Um, and then they get the idea, they realize how corrupt the telemarketing world is and decide to like make a documentary. And that's what this series is. Um, told over three episodes, um, lots of inside knowledge and kind of explaining how like these telemarketing firms will call on behalf of, uh, police or firefighter charities, uh, and kind of work, you know, people over trying to get to make a donation um, at the gold level for we'll make sure you send out a decal um, stick a decal and then you know a lot of the money the most of the money doesn't actually go to the charities but goes to the the company that does the telemarketing um, and how much of a scam that is and how uh, you know, it's it's kind of exploiting the American people and that kind of stuff um, I found it really enjoyable it isn't like a deep dive into the telemarketing world. Really, this documentary is about these two people making the documentary more than anything else. And like, um, like their experiences with working at CDG and like, San, uh, no, uh, what was it? Uh, what did I say? Paul Pestis? Mm. yeah him trying to do like get over his addictions and past issues and that kind of stuff i think they're really interesting characters and that kind of stuff but i don't pat pespis pat pespis uh yeah pat just trying to deal with his issues and that kind of stuff um but yeah i thought it was like a interesting documentary but it isn't like i I don't think it's going to make a massive have you watched the third episode Yes, I've watched the third episode. Okay, yeah, I haven't yet. Yeah. Okay, so what have you thought of Telemarketers? Yeah, I've tried it. I feel like it's this... Um, I feel like the person who should deserve the most props is the editor or editors. Because <laughs> it's mm. this combination of footage that this, like... Oh, they is... shot, like, to early 2000s, probably? Yeah. Like, it's like days. a bunch of, like, random really bad footage shot by a bunch of drug addicts basically (laughs) (laughs) um and then there's like more modern day stuff uh and whatever else but the way that they've managed to meld this into a story and give it some sort of narrative um i think is is well done um it's just yeah it's definitely not a deep dive into american telemarketing it is all about, and I, again, I don't feel like this is a, a negative. It just means that some people may not like it. It may not be a film that they want, but it is. Pat Paspas is the main character. Sam um, Lipman, the the dude who's like the main, he's the, the VO and the director, one of the directors of the film, I guess. Um, he's the, you know, secondary sort of character, but it's it's like these dudes, they're sort of everyone. They're just there. It's a, it's a fucking heroin addict. It's a dude that dropped out of school and got put into this place and they're doing they're doing a they're doing 
the job that they're saying is shit. So you firstly have to buy into the fact, and they try to explain like why they still do it anyway, even though they know it's like, and the answer is because they can't get another job. Like, yeah. so like if you don't accept that and that's not a, a good enough moral explanation for you, then you're going to really struggle with this, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think as a fly on the wall esque, um, documentary i've enjoyed the first two episodes so far and i'm yeah keen to see the the third one and see how it all wraps up but yeah it's just it's just it's a it's a it's a fucking it's just it's cobbled together by lots of pieces with sticky tape i think and <laughs> you know like. yeah it, it's definitely something that's came together in post you know yeah yeah, they, yeah so much because you know a lot of voiceover like explaining what was actually going on and that kind of stuff and um yeah, there is a bit of a time jump from episode two to episode three um, and that kind of stuff. So uh, whether this will make active change, I don't know. They kind of, uh, in the third episode, they kind of address how the tele- telemarketers are like moving away from actual people and there's a lot of robocalls and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it, it's definitely entertaining, I would say. Mm. Um which I don't think many people would have expected from a documentary about telemarketers. Uh, but yeah, as the only advice they'll give is the one that, you know, someone else gives. It's like, if you get a call from telemarketer, just don't give them money. Yeah. Because you know, very rarely going to where you think it's going. Um, Dylan, you check it out an upcoming movie outpost. Yeah, Outpost is the first film um, directed by um, what's his face from um, <laughs> from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Joe Lo Truglio is that the Truglio? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he wrote and directed this film. It stars his wife, um, Beth Dover, as Kate, who is at the start of the movie. Um, you don't see it, but like you get the the quick sort of. Well, you see a little bit enough to get the idea. She's she has a she's attacked by her partner, um, domestic abuse abuse sort of scenario, um, and she's struggling to sort of get that out of her out of her mind and thoughts. And because of that, she asks a favor of her best friend who like works out at. Um, I don't actually know because we don't have these in Australia, but you know, picture Firewatch or. You know, like that Angelina Jolie movie, whatever that one was called. The she she wants to go and do a stint. I can't remember if it's like six or nine months at one of these Firewatch uh, stations out in the you know the forest, and she's hoping that this sort of get away from the town, get away from her job, the big city life, will help uh, refresh her and like escape from her the demons, I guess, that are haunting her and 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 so forth. So. She, so she she heads out there, but um, as she gets out there, she starts just struggling. And the movie is a lot of is this some weird? Is there some weird shit happening out here? Is it in her mind? Is this like uh, she's struggling with it because of her um, her like PTSD? You know, like sort of like you've got to and that's that's part of the the plot of the movie. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part. I I want. I'm gonna put up a review. I'm currently. I haven't posted yet. I'm currently sitting around like maybe a, a five and a half to a six as far as score wise. I feel like my my biggest problem is I actually didn't love 
the main character. And I don't know if I feel like it's half a problem of a she's the, the whole movie to get into it. You have to like you have to be really and not to say I'm against it because obviously someone uh, domestic abuse like it's pretty much you're you're on her side straight away but like i really just didn't outside of that i didn't find her interesting i guess as a person um and i do think it's actually a combination of both not giving her enough time in the script to to build her personality outside of just being someone who's surviving like i'm like i don't know who this person is outside of just a survivor like she's sort of just that she's just a woman who survived a domestic abuse i don't know anything else about her so she, she's just like i'm struggling to to find more to gravitate towards there um and then beth dover was fine i i didn't i do feel like maybe someone else who could have brought a bit more personality to the role um for the performance might have helped as well um wouldn't mean good uh i really liked becky ann baker in this um she shows up for some reason which i thought was wild because like i know this is a smaller movie and you know, shout out to Tad Lasso's mum. It shot well and everything else. And I definitely feel like there's enough signs that as odd as it is to say that, you know, Joe Lodge-Julio, who's mostly known for playing comedy characters um, in TV shows and movies, has a thing for horror, but apparently it's a thing where comedy people love horror. So... (laughs) Um, he, I think he definitely shows signs of uh, being able to have an eye for how to do genre picks. There's, and he, he does at times fall into a lot of pit holes of like really hanging on random stuff to like shots of fucking bugs and stuff for too long, just to I think presume like add to tension of the moment or like weed the viewer out. But it just that they are like the sort of like first picture moments. I feel where it's like someone else with a bit more experience would have would have known that was sort of not needed or a better way to build attention and and whatnot so uh as a as a debut um for this sort of thing yeah decent um yeah and i'd be keen to see what he could do in a follow-up picture all right uh so i know when you were here you're really keen to see asteroid city and we just couldn't work it out time-wise so i went and saw it friday Uh, so of course this is the latest film directed by Wes Anderson with a stacked cast including Jason Swartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton. Um, this is an odd one. Uh, it's definitely the most Wes Anderson-y thing recently. I don't know, yeah. The interesting thing, based on the trailers, I don't think you would realise the movie is the 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 set what's happening in asteroid city is actually a play and then it's the the movie also covers the events of the performing of the play like behind the scenes and the making of the play and like them figuring out what they want to do and like uh the bickering between producers and actors and that kind of like some interstitials in there as well um meanwhile the bulk of the actual movie is about a bunch of families going to asteroid city as part of like a stargazers uh events like these pe- these kids have won these awards uh, and get to go to asteroid city to see this special eclipse kind of thing uh and then an alien shows up and, you know and everything happens from there so <laughs> 
Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely got that Wes Anderson style and dialogue um, and, you know, weird kind of odd jokes. Um, Steve Carell plays the owner of, like, the uh, motel park um, and he's got all these de- weird, like, vending machines uh, that you can, like, get cigarettes and uh, Cokes, but then you can also buy plots of land in Asteroid City through these vending machines. Um, yeah, it is... It, I didn't love it. I, I wanted to love it, but, yeah, it's... it's I, I don't know. Maybe it's because it is so multi-layered, like, overly metatextual. Um, I just... I don't think it has enough heart, maybe, you know? Or it's just trying to be a bit too clever for its own good. And I just don't feel like it had, like, a fitting ending either. Um, because the other point is that uh, Jason Schwartzman's wife has died. And he's only just told his kids uh, that she died, like, three weeks ago. Uh, and they're all, you know, having to deal with that. <laughs> uh through the process, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would not put this amongst Wes Anderson's highest works, but you know, still a solid movie. Uh, I also went out and watched the documentary Rose Gold, which follows the uh, Boomers Australian basketball team in 2021 uh, as they go to the, the Tokyo Olympics. And, you know, if you know anything about that, they went to win the bronze medal. Um, but it kind of documents the history of the Australian basketball team um, and how for several decades they would always come uh, fourth place. So it would always miss out on a medal at the Olympics or at the World World Cup and that kind of stuff um, and kind of documents the struggles and how, you know, obviously they built up from nothing at the 52 Melbourne Olympics um, and then went, you know, the basketball uh, program in Australia kind of develop and grew up and then you get this core nucleus of players uh including patty mills joe ingles matthew delaptover andrew bogart who kind of uh, brought the program forward uh and then you know patty mills kind of leading the cult the cultural change of the of the team and that kind of stuff leading into the, uh the olympics and that kind of stuff and then that takes up half of the movie and then the other half is like kind of following the team in tokyo um which uh, is kind of billed as you get a big behind the scenes look at what happened at the Tokyo Olympics. Um, But I feel like that was definitely the shortest element of the movie. Um, You know, I I feel like there wasn't a lot of footage there that you didn't uh, see on channel seven or the other weird one is Matisse Thibel. Who's on the team, like had a blog, like leading up to the Olympics. It feels like a lot of having watched that a lot of the, uh, moments are very similar and that kind of stuff um and that could just be the restrictions of like shooting stuff at the olympics is like very they're like had their all very tight and obviously this was an olympics during covid so everything was kind of mm. i would suspect very boring and like it's practices or in your hotel room that was it so um but yeah it was it, an enjoyable watch um so yeah that's currently in cinemas I'm pretty sure it's coming to the ABC at some point later this year, uh, because you know they co-funded the the project. Um, 
but yeah, that was cool. Uh, I recommend checking it out, uh, especially with the FIFA World Cup going on at the moment. Interesting timing. Uh, Dylan, I've seen you've been watching Utopia. Yes, I just added Utopia to Netflix. Yes. I think in time with the like the the new season that dropped. So for Utopia, this is the Australian show, by the way, because there's like yes. three different sh- fucking shows called Utopia. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's wild. So I started watching it from the start. Um, season one, 2014. Um very funny the the pitch for uh for the for show because bill didn't miss it when i was on abc i've caught episodes i've never seen it like watched it properly though like i've seen bits but never have you ever watched it no oh. no um so the pitch is it's set inside of a fake office building in australia um in melbourne in particular this place this building, it's called the national building of authority so apparently this is a government organization that like oversees planning um of infrastructure buildings roads stuff like that um yep <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a thing um it leads to i couldn't believe it my mind was fucking blown 2014 this season is this first season i've nearly finished and there's a fucking episode, I think episode six, where they come down to Tassie and they do a fake, um, they like hold a town hall and ask people what they want. People like roads, um, a bridge between Victoria and here or whatever else. And then they go back and fucking Kitty Flanagan in the show plays this character who's just like, I don't know, like she comes in with the worst ideas ever. So the main character comes back and he's like, cool. So we like did all this stuff in Tassie and they want roads and stuff. And she's like, cool. So we're going to do a stadium, right? I was like, are you fucking? <laughs> and then he's like, no, who is, who said a stadium? She's like, well, they want a stadium, right? And he's like, no one said anything about stadium. Yeah, but Tasmanians, I don't know what they want. I'm like, this is fucking nearly 10 years old. <laughs> I was like, so, I was like, I couldn't believe how fucking on point this joke was. <laughs> it's like, this is what I'm living through in my life at the moment. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, so it's, very like situational humor and um obviously the australian humor and whatever else um yeah. very funny sorts of characters in it i think there was another part where like they're trying to build a road uh they're trying to like build a road or something somewhere and they can't because these people are like oh there's like a really rare piece of grass here or whatever else and they, they get this whole team of like eight people come in that like they work for the you know the grass survival you know like some made up name of whatever and they're like well how about we just move the grass it's like well you can't do that why not because of the habitat it needs to be there it's like okay well, how about we just like run water around it this way um it's <laughs> the best line he goes how can we just run water like around that and the dude's like where he's like we'll we'll, we'll we'll design it so the water comes around we can leave the grass where it is and then the water will run around and uh, the water can run into the lake we can't do that why not we can't run water into a lake like what <laughs> like, it's, it's just such stuff yes yeah, so i'm really enjoying it I'm, I'm keen to um keep watching it they dumped a few uh, abc australian shows on netflix the other day so yeah or last week so it's interesting like yeah, yeah. Got to get that content up because yeah, <laughs> getting any new stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, like, it it it's of a higher streaming quality than you'll get if you tried to watch it on ABC. Oh, of you, so <laughs> <laughs> is uh, yeah. is yeah. It's like yeah, I saw that Fisk was like uh, top one of the top shows. Top shows, America. yeah, yeah, yeah. So very weird. Uh, maybe it's just like because a lot of the people involved in this show 
um, you know, I don't know. Is this all tied together with the return of Thank God You're Here? Like the one of the girls in this, um, what's her fucking name? She's the host of Thank God You're Here now. Celia. Uh, yeah, Celia Pacullo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's like the host of Thank God You're Here. She's one of the main characters in this show. Um, you know, so I don't know. Is it all tying? <laughs> I mean, pretty sure it's all the same. There's uh, all the same, same production company, company and producers and whatever else. Like this show is created by um uh tom gleisner you know who's got his hand in a lot of australia's big comedies and um of course the hosts have you been paying attention and you know he used to host and be involved with thank god you're here so there's a lot of connecting dots here i think (laughs) yeah absolutely all right uh let's move into one of my favorite segments films dylan can finally watch finally at last it's about time. It's been 84 years. Dylan, you literally had to move across the state borders to watch this movie. Yep. Watch Talk to Me. Finally watch Talk to Me. I only had to fly all the way out to Brisbane to watch it. <laughs> um, especially, no, I had to fly all the way out to Brisbane to justify my, my pre-order of the collector's edition um, Umbrella's putting out. So that, that was because yeah. I pre-ordered that shit as soon as I saw it go up. It comes with a fucking hand and everything. I was like, I need that. But also, what if I don't like the movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Talk to Me has been one of my most anticipated movies uh, of the year. So I was very excited to finally get a chance to watch it, and it has lived up to my expectations. I'm happy to say. Um, I think it was very, very good. I, I, I mean, the movie's been talked about to shit by now. I'm pretty sure anyone who doesn't live in Tasmania has probably watched it. So. You know, over there, Nash. Um, mm-hmm. who refused to come watch it because he's a little baby. So, um, the plot of the movie, in case you do live somewhere like me, who you somehow missed it, is like it's or a. You have the reasonable feeling that you don't enjoy horror movies and yeah, don't well, watch them. Yeah, you know, horror is one of the most you know oldest genres in cinema. I know you feel like you know, come together. Nosferatu, come on, what are you doing? Um. The, the story is like a, a bunch of kids, teenagers, I guess, young adults, whatever they are, they've, they've got this hand, this fucking embalmed hand, uh, and that when they, they don't know, there's there's a little explanation to explain where it comes from. It's like, oh, this guy sold it to me, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they're just, they're, they get told how to use it, which is uh, you have to light a candle, and then you take a hold of it, you say, talk to me, uh, a spirit in peace in front of you, and then if you say, I'll let you in, it like sort of takes over your body. Um, for a short period and like talks for you and stuff but the rule is you can't go over 90 seconds or else the spirit like might might stay in you um of course if this all sounds like uh an easy way for shit to go wrong correct shit does go wrong um and then they start the friends start seeing spirits in real life and all sorts of weird shit going on and whatever else um just this movie i i think one of the like i was really excited to see it because it had such a, a cool idea and trailer and everything else like that um but it is Australian horror film. It's from Racka Racka YouTubers, uh, Danny and um, Michael Philip Philippo Philippo. Uh, yeah. yeah, um, they have such like a wholesome story between I think how to how they got this movie made and everything, and refused to to change how they wanted to make it, which was in Australia with Australian actors and uh, all this sort of stuff. And then it got picked up at Sundance by A twenty four and like all these really really cool things. I think. Um, and it's a really, really good horror movie that doesn't fit, again, similar to, I guess, 
um, past lives, it really does actually feel like their first feature film. And they've had experience, you know, making their own little shorts on YouTube and whatever else, which I guess has paid off because, yeah, there's there's just a lot of, like, they don't, a lot of the time they don't go straight for the easiest scares and, and, what, and whatnot here um, and the way they build tension in scenes and um, they don't go over the top. But the, the movie only has, like, one scene where it's, like, one scene of gore. Um, it's not, like, over the top or anything. It's not, like, a bunch of jump scares or anything. It's just mostly the the idea of it that's scary, I guess. Um the my only negative i guess because you know if we're not just full fanboy for every australian film that comes out uh i do feel like after there's a there's a point like sort of towards the, the second act like where shit goes crazy and the film never really has a moment that like ever elevates to the point of this one scene like the that the, that is the height of the movie and everything afterwards never can uh, reach up to the potential of that and I, I, I maybe you, they would say that they never were trying like that was sort of supposed to be the, the high, highest scariest moment in the movie but I do feel like you, you spend the rest of the movie like sort of expecting something else maybe not as brutal as this one particular scene but at least um, build up the tension I guess I, I guess a bit more uh, really great performances as well Sophie Wilde who um I was saying, I've seen like all the all of her feature films now. She was in the Portable Door, which came out in Stan at the start of the year or whatever. Um, and now this, and then, you know, so officially, um, very weird because the Portable Door, she plays like the other, the, she co stars in that, and that's her family film, and now she stars in this, and it's a horror film. So, uh, but she's very, very good in this as the, the main character, and everyone else is fantastic as well from the, the bunch of kids and everything else. Uh, I loved the, the film has a, um, fuck i can't remember the terminology wording like just uh you know what do you, what do you call it when uh, it just starts it's like no you know like it just like sort of in a tv show where they do like a pre pre-title cold open. yeah like has a very like cold open like it just starts with this like person walking into a, a um a party happening and like you're like what the fuck's going on here and it's just like all oh, this stuff and it builds up and it's a really great way to start the film before it actually has like a title card and everything like that. It was really, really good. Well put together. Um, really cool ending as well. Sets up the potential for this universe to continue, which I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, the movie's made a fuck ton of money. It's like 50 million o- over like $5 million budget or whatever the fuck it was. Like it made a shit ton of money. Uh, Miranda Otto, again, shout out to her. She's really good at it. Having someone of like stature, one name, I guess is good as well. Um, yeah, I really, really loved it. I can't wait to watch it again. When my collector's decision arrives. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So you feel justified in a pre-order? Hundred percent. Are you going to hold that hand? Yep. Say, talk to me. See what happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's everything I watched this year. Let's move into a little bit of film news. Uh, big news of the week in what has become an expected inevitability. Warner Brothers Pictures made good on leaked imitations at the studio from a month ago. Dune 2 is abandoning its November 3rd release date in 2023 altogether and is now moving all the way to March 15th, 2024, ostensibly because of the ongoing writers and actors' union strikes. And just like that, the floodgates appear to be open for a max exodus of the fall film slates. Um, so yeah, Dune 2 isn't the first film to be delayed due to concerns from the writers and actors' strike. Well, Zendaya starring Challenges moved from moved to uh, April next year. Craven the Hunter moved a full year to August 30th. 
uh, and Ethan Cohen's Drive-Away Dolls moved to February 2024. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on Dune 2 moving, especially so late, because they kind of have, they have like a bunch of press, like I believe Empire magazine, like a full front cover, like good to go, like full stories about Dune 2, like press leading into the, to the cycle. So yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw Disney's post the delay, and then like 12 hours later, Empire's like, "Hey, revealing our front cover." <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. I mean, I none of this is surprising. I I think it was all expecting, like if the um shit wasn't sorted out around now, the delay probably was going to happen. I I certainly was. Like I'm I'm there was that initial thing of like. Ah, I'm looking forward to that. But ultimately, like with all these delays, I'm just not going to, like, whatever. Like, I, I I, can wait to watch them for everyone to get their, so everyone can get paid properly. It's fine. Yeah, I think it, this one's the one that's been the most interesting delay. Like, people have, like, angry the most about this. Like, I've seen people taking shots at anyone and everyone. It's like, this is the, why would you do this to us? And, like, um. Yeah, like people really wanted to do. Well, if you're gonna get year. angry, get angry at the studio for not paying people properly, and then yeah, it's the- it's a weird <laughs> one because these studios realize they need these actors and writers to like promote this movie, but they can't. And their their option is we'll push it down the road rather than agreeing to a deal. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also interesting that obviously they moved this. They moved. What was the, what was the movie they moved? Uh, there was something in the slot that Dune Two was it? Oh, it was a uh, Godzilla of Kong, whatever it, X something. <laughs> uh, that got moved, and then the Lord of the Rings animated movie got pushed because of the Godzilla movie. Um, but interestingly, Warner Brothers has uh, still uh, Wonka. The Color Purple and Aquaman slated for the end of this year. Do you think those get moved or are they going to stay there? Yeah, I'll delay them next month. Okay. <laughs> Have we seen our last big budget movie for the end of the year, I guess? No, the Marvels will still come out. You think so? Yeah, I reckon I'll delay that. I think they. I think Disney knows that they can put out. They can pretty much stick out a uh, MCU film without press and still make some money for their. Like especially in a world where they've got to choose to release some stuff so they can get some money in the books for the financial year. I think releasing MCU films is the is is smarter. Or, you know, no, the smarter thing is just to pay the people the money. It, it'd be the, that's the choice they they're going to make though. I think. Mm. Yeah. I guess it's hard to say because obviously, you know, the movies that have been released the last few weeks have not done fantastic numbers. I mean, Barbie is still like. I mean, Equalizer 3 is about to come take out. A, is that yeah. a big budget or does that count? Or? I, don't, I, yeah, I don't think so, <laughs> in my opinion. Do you think Equalizer 3 is a big movie? I haven't watched any of them, so I don't know. I mean, Denzel Washington is a big star, though. So yeah, but he's not doing any press. So I mean, that's going to make a massive difference. Yeah. Um. I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that released and did reasonable numbers, I believe. 
what it's sitting at 136 million worldwide, uh, 99 million in the US. Um, yeah, it, 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 there is definitely a concern that we could be, you know, if the strikes continue, you know, very bare summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's definitely one of those wait and see things. Uh, yeah, that's kind of all the news we had this week. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's just jump in and give us some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers that we're about to talk about in the show notes below. This week was rough because there was a lot of trailers this week. Like, at least two trailers I needed to cut to keep the usual five. So, uh, if it, you know, we didn't talk about one of the trailers you were excited for, let us know. Uh, first trailer for this week is Cat Person, directed by Susanna Fogel, starring Amelia Jones, uh, Nicholas Braun, Geraldine Vispernathan, Hope Davis, Fred Melamed, and Isabella Rossellini. A cold student who works at a movie theater goes on an awkward date with an older man who may be a murderer. Tell him, what do you think of trailer for Cat Person? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is a murderer, but... <laughs> Sure. Pretty. I I'd nearly put money on it to be honest. I mean, th- this. Uh, so I watched this. The this was sometimes you put trailers in. I'd watch. I did watch this one already when it dropped the other day. Um, obviously we've watched a fair bit with um, the fuck they know. Millie Jones. Yeah, yeah, Millie Jones. Um, and she was in one of our favorite uh, best movies a year a couple of years ago. So, um, she's in it, the Academy Award winning Coda. Mm, it does have a degree of. Like, I don't know what the genre, like, it seems redundant to say, men, men is bad genre, sort of, <laughs> you know, like, you know, without... It's not all films. Yeah. yeah. I mean, men are bad, but the, like, I just hope it's got a little bit more to it than just, like, just, just something a little bit more than just older man seduces woman. So are you saying fucking... not all men? No, I'm saying all men, but also... <laughs> I just want a little bit more from the movie. <laughs> is, is that... Yeah. So yeah. what are you giving it? I'll go one up, one down. Interesting. I'll give it two thumbs up. I think it was a really good trailer. Um, setting up the uneasiness. Perfectly displaying how awkward the whole first date was. Um, and, you know, the one-night stand or whatever. Uh, and then lots of interesting visuals and that kind of stuff. And kind of ending... Ends on the note, the final line, I believe, of the trailer is, I guess one of us has to die. Uh, so, like, is she going to murder him? Is she going to, you know, is it all in the head? Um, you know, maybe he's just a nice guy who, you know, didn't do anything wrong other than lie about having a cat. You know? Uh, but we'll see. So, yeah, based on a short story in the New York Times, so... Uh, really interesting i'm excited to check it out uh this one is coming to us theaters on october 6th no australian real estate next trailer is for flora and son directed by john carney starring eve Hewson, jack renner oren kinlan and joseph gordon lovett flora a single mother who argues with her son max in an attempt to find him a hobby retrieves a guitar from a dumpster and discovers that one person's rubble can be a person a family salvation Dylan, you're a big John Carney fan. What do you think of this latest trailer for his new film? Uh, yeah, double thumbs up for sure. Uh, 
I can't wait for this. I think it looks really, really great. John Carney just does, like, has such a magical way of making movies about how music can be used to connect people in different ways and stuff. That, like, that's his whole genre, I guess. Um, mm. uh, and in a, in a world of films that are, I'm not sure what will get released, the fact that this is coming to Apple means that I'm pretty safe it'll actually get released. So I, I would definitely say this is probably one of my most anticipated movies into the back end of the year. So two thumbs up? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's two thumbs up for me as well, I think. Um, yeah, it looks really good. looks like a very... It looks like a John Carney movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It has the music elements. Um, yeah, and just uh, the family drama. Like, obviously, this one told from the adult's perspective rather than, obviously, Sing Street, his last movie, told from the children's perspective. Uh, but the mother and son kind of connecting a little bit, at least about music, uh, was really lovely to see, uh, dressed in golden love. It looks good. Cool to see Jack Renner in another John Carney movie. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see this and excited. It's coming to Apple TV plus. So it's releasing on Apple TV plus worldwide, except for Ireland, which I believe is just showing in cinemas over there. Uh, September 29th, Next trailer is for Foe, directed by Garth Davis, starring Saoirse Ronan, Paul Mescal, and Aaron Pere. Uh, the lives of a married couple are turned upside down when a stranger arrives at their farm and informs that the husband will be sent to a large space station and his wife will be left in the company of a robot. Tell <laughs> us what did you think of the trailer for Foe? All I could think about was that episode of Black Mirror I watched from that last season. Um where the the two characters were living with like they're up in the space station Aaron Paul and um I can't remember who the other person was now but they're like up in the space station and then um they get uh they're living with their they have a robot version basically that lives with their families on earth um who they shoot down and like control um at different points and stuff like that so it's not exactly the same as this but like thematically it just reminded me of sort of similar sort of stuff uh which i thought was interesting double thumbs up though i very i, I think it looks very good uh saoirse ronan doesn't do a bad movie paul mescal is probably one of the most uh interesting actors i guess coming now like in the the indie space of films and stuff like that ever since normal people a couple of years ago that tv show sort of mm. everything he's been in has sort of got talked about um of course after some last year so uh i'm gonna double thumbs up I'm, I'm i'm keen i like weird stories like this so yeah i'll give it two thumbs up as well it's just uh interesting like how much of this is this is all leading up to the decision or like is it like it's hard to tell the timeline from of the movie from this trailer, which is probably a good thing. Um, it's it, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. It feels like uh, like any of those like films, like that you know someone's made a because it's a classic monkey paw situation. You know, you, you kind of get what you want, but you know you have to deal with small consequences and see how that kind of plays out. So. Uh, yeah, two thumbs up from me. Shosha Ronan looks great. Paul Mescal, like you said, a breakout actor of the last few years. Like, he's, you know, 
the stars just getting bigger and bigger like <laughs> um and the other actor aaron Perry, i want to say um looked very good and like an interesting uh presence interesting to read that like disc like keith stanfield was meant to play that role but had to drop out unfortunately but um it's like a solid replacement so yes foe releasing in the u.s releasing every year in australia 19th of october for now next film the imaginary directed by yoshiyuki momosi uh produced by studio ponic uh an imaginary friend must return to his creator before he is forgotten or captured by an evil man who can see imaginary friends dylan what did you think of the trailer for the latest film from studio ponic whose last movie was mary and the witch flower was it i thought they did one in between they did uh modest heroes which came to netflix yeah we don't count that i mean you can (laughs) (laughs) it was like an anthology film like this is a first feature all right first feature since since mary okay uh yeah we talked about mary obviously on the podcast um, yeah like two years ago probably no no Mary and the Witch, that's like very early on. All right. Like, four years ago. Uh, we've been doing this <laughs> for a while. Have <laughs> <laughs> we? Oh, no. Um, yeah, so I, I'm keen for this. With that said, I'm double thumbs down the trailer. I think it's a bad trailer. I think it's all over the place, it's nonsensical. It's just like, I don't feel like this is a good trailer at all. Um, I'm keen for the movie based solely on seeing Studio Ponok at the start and going, cool, yep, I'm intrigued to know that. The, you know, it's the, it's, I mean, basically for people who don't know, it's like, hey, one of the dudes who was working at Ghibli went off and created another studio and then Mary and Witch Flowers, the first film, and here's the next film. Cool. I don't even know, need to know what it's about. I'm intrigued. Trailer was just bad. Double thumbs down. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'll give one of up, one down. I think, you know, some of these trailers, like, can do showcase the wild, fantastical elements and, like, uh, you don't necessarily need to know exactly what's going on, especially when it's this new creative world that they're kind of introducing and exploring. Obviously, it's the world of uh, imaginary friends and that kind of stuff. Um, from, I, I was actually, my expectations grew, grew like, based on the actual trailer itself rather than the still image that i saw i'm like oh that doesn't look fantastic it looks a bit weird but um seeing it all in motion i think it looked really good um yeah so i'm gonna i'll give it one up one down um yeah so we did watch mary <laughs> we talked about mary and the witch flower uh on episode 12 of what do you want to watch back in 2018 it was a while ago. Yeah, so if you don't include <laughs> an entire pandemic, like two years ago. Yeah, yeah uh, that's right. That's how I treat time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is releasing in Japan on the 15th of December. There's currently no Australian release date, but we would imagine 2024. Final trailer for this week. Rebel Moon. Directed by Zack Snyder. Starring Sofia Batella, Charlie Hunnam, Michael, Michael Huseman, Dijon... Dijmon Honsu, Duna Bay, Ray Fisher, Cleopatra Coleman, Jenna Malone, Frey Free, 
Ed Screen, and Anthony Hopkins. In a universe controlled by the corrupt government of the Motherworld, the Moon of Veld is threatened by the forces of the Imperium, the army of the Motherworld, controlled by Regent Bali Sarius. Cora, a former member of the Imperium who seeks redemption for her past in the leadership of the oppressive government, tasks herself to recruit warriors from across the galaxy to make a stand against the Motherworld's forces before they return to the planet. Dylan, what did you think of this teaser trailer for Rebel Moon? Um, I'm going to double thumbs up. I think it looks like an absolutely wild world of every single genre ever made. <laughs> like <laughs> sci-fi, fantasy, fucking Nazi-looking motherfuckers. Like, it's, it's, there's lightsabers, there's swords, there's fantastical beasts. It's, it's just insanity. Um, and it'll either be very, very good, I feel, or just terrible. I, I don't think, I just don't think, or at least that's how people are going to feel about it. Like, and, and again, that's a Zack Snyder movie in a nutshell, I guess. But, um, well, well, let me ask you this question. What are your feelings on Sucker Punch? Um, bad movie, really good premise. Do you think this will fall in the same? <laughs> Hopefully not, because I, I actually feel like Sucker Punch's problem is, um, was that they, the studio mandated like the PG-ness of it. Mm. you know they were like oh you gotta calm down all this other stuff like i've heard her talk about it. i'm like you can't like you can't calm down the the plot of a movie where it's a bunch of people getting like abused and the the girls are escaping into their fancy world to to deal with the trauma like how the fuck do you t- tame that down that's such a fucked up you know anyway sucker punch is a whole thing um so i really enjoy the cast like i'm i really like sophia batula in everything i've seen her in and getting a chance for her to like star and lead something like this is really really cool um there's a bunch of other people in this i really like as well um you know like charlie hunnam you know, jenna malone anthony hopkins of course and whatever else uh also shout out to the fact that ray fisher's in this and zach snyder's like fuck it come over here i'll i'll give you another go <laughs> we'll see one fruit we'll see one fruit together this time <laughs> like sort of sort of thing um yeah, I, I just think it's such a, like, the movie almost seems like a joke with how much it looks like at times. It's like, oh, that's Star Wars. That's a fancy movie. That's, you know, like, it's just everything. It's, 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 yeah. It would be very, very bad or, or, or very good, I, th- I feel. And I'm hope I'm hoping it'll be good. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's, if it's good, it's good. Cleopatra Coleman? Yeah, I forgot to say her. So. Okay. Don't thumbs up. What, what's Cleopatra Coleman from? She's Australian actress. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think I'll give it two thumbs up as well. It's like it is visually a lot. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, leaning into Zack Snyder's strengths of uh, crazy visuals and visual moments and that kind of stuff. It, this is a really good put together trailer. Um, enhanced by Anthony Hopkins just monologuing for like half of it you know um whether the movie is actually gonna be good i don't know <laughs> it's like uh it's definitely one of the most intriguing projects uh of the year um obviously based on a idea Zack snyder had for star wars that they didn't want to follow through on uh so he did his own thing and netflix just gave him a bunch of money to make this movie which is now apparently two parts um but yeah very interesting and like 
they're making video games about it. So, I mean, they must have some sort of faith that this is going to be uh, something that could potentially be an ongoing franchise for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued to see where this goes. Uh, so, yeah. Rebel Moon, part one, A Child of Fire, releases on Netflix 22nd of December, 2023. And then Rebel Moon, part two, The Scargiver, will release April 19th, 2024. All right, let's move into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. And Dylan, this week, One Piece is about to release on Netflix. So this week's top three is top three animes that could work in live action. Dylan, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is Claymore. So this is uh, an anime that could be very similar to the, like, I feel like they could do it very similar to The the, the Witcher uh, because it's basically about these, it's been a while since I watched it. It came out like early 2000s. Um, it's basically about this group of like creature monster things that can like shapeshift and like turn into humans and like hide and they, they're like killing people. And it's set during a like a period that's, um, very like sort of medieval fantasy um, like and then these people are created um, they're all female as well even though I mean technically they sh- don't really have a gender because they don't have sexual organs but they are they're all female for so- uh, some reason and they're put together and they're like these claymores uh, and they're like each protecting a region um, from these monsters they they basically go around killing them so yeah it sounds like they're like half half they're created with half the the cells or whatever of these bad creatures. So they've got like the superpower of them as well. So they can fight back against them and stuff like that. Um, and they fight with giant swords and shit like that. Um, very cool. The anime is like sort of known because the, the ending, they rushed the ending. The, the manga hadn't finished at the time. So they just like, we're like, fuck it. Let's just do our own sort of thing. And then, yeah, the, 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 the ending of the actual anime is kind of shit house, but, um, but the whole show is probably one of my favorite, um, animes. So, well, the, and the, the idea of it and everything. So I think it would make a cool world, especially with the way people like Witcher. Very similar. Mm. My number three is Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, I know they did a Japanese version of the live action, um, a couple of movies, but I feel but like... fuck the Japanese! <laughs> I feel like movies are not necessarily the best way to adapt this. I think as a series, you could like slowly delve out the story. Um, as... I, it's got the fantastic elements of like uh, people using alchemy to make shapes or use elements and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's also got this uh, political uh, es- like conspiracy theory element to it. I feel like would work over the course of a couple of seasons. Um, and of course it's got these key moments that, you know, I feel like would work with a little bit more time, like, invested in them in that kind of stuff so that would be my number three dylan what's your number two uh my number two is black butler so this is a series that's set during i like how every time i say something ash is like i've never heard of this and you think oh, i don't know anime no i don't I, yeah, i've heard of black butler <laughs> I it. uh so black butler is about like this uh i don't know like a, a young kid who's like 12 14 or some shit like that um it's set during like victorian era london uh, his parents die, and he somehow, I can't remember. Anyway, he somehow, in the first like episode, ends up in the hands of like this fucking cult who are like, going to sacrifice him to a demon or some shit. Um, and then um, the demon ends up, when it turns up, it ends up like turning and says that he actually turned up because of the, the kids, 
actual call for help for him. And then the kid makes a, a deal with the demon, which is, hey, kill everyone here and then help me seek revenge for the people that killed my family. Help me track them down and kill them. And then you can eat my soul. <laughs> that's uh that's like basically the setup for it um uh, it's very cool uh it's it would be very i just think victorian era london stuff is is done well it has like obviously very gothic vibe and whatever else if it was done well and whatever else i think so um and i i think this sort of setting and tone and everything with the right casting and everything else would be really really cool so um uh, really well done so yeah that would be my next pick i would do this again as a tv show not a movie simply because a lot there's a lot of sort of um the anime obviously has a lot of not monster of the week but you know like there's sort of these these so many separate stories and stuff like that that you couldn't just adapt the story of hey he finds the he kills the parents end of story there you go. my number two i feel like i needed to put a studio ghibli film on the list fair enough and the one I picked is Princess Mononoke, the best Studio Ghibli film. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting world, uh, interesting characters. Uh, it's got that action element that I feel like would uh, Western audiences would appreciate. Um, you know, lot there would be a lot of CGI characters and that kind of stuff and creatures. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely one I could see them adapting. Uh, into live action, like uh, you know, with uh, you'd have to get Asian character, uh, Asian actors and that kind of stuff, but playing, uh, but you know, old fourteenth century worlds, um, period piece esque, but with these crazy spirit animals and that kind of stuff, I think it'd be really cool. Till what's your number one? Number one is one of my favorite anime of all time. One of the first anime I watched, probably the second anime I reckon I've watched, because if the first was uh. Death Note, I reckon this is the second series I've watched. Uh, it's called Helsing. So, uh, Vampire, I think it's like set after World War II, but basically is there's this like secret organization, uh, Helsing, like fighting back against um, undead monsters and whatever else. And they've got Alucard, the first ever vampire that works for them after... They know, I don't think they ever showed it in the anime, or maybe they did. And I know they did a, a like a remake series, but I don't ever actually watched that one. Um, where like Van Helsing beat him back in the day or whatever, and then like got him to agree to help the the, the this one royal family now. So he like fights for the humans instead of the monsters and stuff like that. Anyway, there's and then there's a bad guy group that's basically Nazis who are trying to get a bunch of undead army not Nazis to take over the world and shit like that. So. Um, has lots of really cool fights and scenes and Helsing, uh, or Alucard is like a, just a badass character who just has these massive guns that are way too big, but it's very cool. So yeah, loved it. I've got all the manga too and I've read all that. So. Okay. Good shit. Uh, my number one, Megalobox. Uh, so this is the boxing anime uh kind of a uh retelling of the classic shito no or tomorrow joe uh boxing manga um set in like a futuristic late 21st century japan where boxers use exoskeleton skeletons to fight um but then there's this guy called was this joe. a Hugh jackman movie 
No, that's you're thinking of Resteal with the actual robots. Right. Okay. This uh who just use who doesn't fight with gear, exoskeletons, uh, to set himself apart in order to uh enter in a massive boxing comp- competition called Megalia Megalo- Megalonia. Yeah. Boxing, cool. People with mech arms and that kind of stuff, that could be really cool. Uh but you know, at its heart it's like a classic underdog story, so that I feel like this is would easily be adapted here in the West. Or just in live action. So yeah. Alright, Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Oh fuck. Um Well Hold on, I forgot about the segment again. Alright, I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Uh this week I would like to watch uh, Invincible season two. Is that this week? Apparently, unless I got it wrong. Unless they moved it. Oh no, they must have moved it. Then mine. I'd like to watch nothing. <laughs> it's pretty harsh. I don't care about it. What's what's here? One piece. Don't care. Uh, yep. Yep. Okay. First Haunted week, Mansion. Do you I'm want to see the Haunted Mansion? Nope. Do you want to see Past Lives? <laughs> yep. But I've already watched it. Okay. Uh, this week, I want to watch One Piece. Um, also, interested to see the fir- first episode of Wheel of Time Season 2 releases this week. Uh, and then. In select cinemas, Ego, the Michael Gudinski story documentary will be released. So Michael Gudinski, a big uh, person behind the Australian music industry. Um, He worked with uh, nurture iconic artists like Skyhawk, Split Ends, Jimmy Barnes, Paul Kelly, Hunter's Collectors, Kylie Minogue, Archie Roach, and Yuthi Yindi, um, as well as promoting a lot of international acts here in Australia as well. Uh, He's got a documentary coming out this week uh, that... Uh, I'd be interested to check out. Let us know what you want to watch this week by going to explosion.com slash Twitter and letting us know on X. Ugh. Uh, or go to our Discord by going to explosion.com slash Discord or find us at ExplosionPod on both social media. Uh, if you want to help us out here and want to watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Tell people about the show. Leave us five stars and equally five stars. And if you've enjoyed this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, head on over to our cafe page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.